folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to chat about this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Memphis Grizzlies last night. Final score, 142-105. to 105. Good Lord. I mean, that is a crazy number. And I think a lot of people will be impressed. A lot of people will absolutely be impressed with the way that the Nuggets handled themselves and the way that one Nikola Jokic handled himself in the rotation last night was a great, great win, a great, great performance. It was really fun to be there. It was really interesting to see. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cedric is uh, coming in like uh, like hot fire here. Sup, guys? Jokic shot 11 of 11. Ayo, Ryan, let's go. <laughs> let's go. I appreciate it. Uh, going to be a good one. Going to be a good episode. I really appreciate all the love and support. If you are just tuning in, make sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button down below as Mile High Sports continues to branch out, continues to grow, uh, doing some great things. And I think Swipe is going to have some videos here up on the channel relatively soon. Uh, should be a lot of fun. So I, I really appreciate all the love. On this episode, we are going to discuss everything to do with last night's game from Aaron Gordon missing and Peyton Watson starting to Nikola Jokic absolutely dominating. Uh, I just realized that there is a press escape to exit full screen on the image that I put up. Let me, uh, let me go fix that real quick. I'm going to take a new screenshot because... Wow, I was really rushing in trying to get this done, trying to do my best for creating a good uh, StreamYard setup for everything. And lo and behold, you guys can see pickaxe and roll is actually pickaxe and press escape to exit full screen roll. Um, let me change that here real quick. Uh, but yeah, this has been a great game. Uh, this was a great game last night and it was really cool to see. There we go. Uh, was a really, really cool thing to see Denver handle their business in an absolutely effortless way. Uh, I loved being there at the, at the arena last night because I felt like I got a lot of insight. I got a lot of interesting things uh, that I was able to say that that kind of came out of this. Michael Malone was very insightful on John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. He has a ton of respect for that team, as do the rest of the Nuggets. And they approached that game like a team that is facing a rival. Not, not, not necessarily a rival, but like a team that is facing a team that they respect and where they know they have to get it done. Jokic and Murray were dominant throughout this one, but Peyton Watson at the beginning really struggled. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Uh, he recovered in a massive way. But we should just talk about Nikola Jokic here. 11 of 11 from the field and one of the most effective and efficient lines that I've seen in a while from him. 30 minutes, 26 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, two blocks, 11 of 11 from the field, one of one from three, three of three from the free throw line. Uh, he was a plus 25 in his 30 minutes and everything was going for the Nuggets really well because Jokic was stirring the drink at the beginning. Murray was stirring the drink at the beginning. We'll get to him in just a second. But 
you never want to take these lines for granted, especially as, and Nuggets fans can attest to this, the lack of efficiency from Jokic over the course of the last month or so was pretty weird. It felt pretty wrong. It felt pretty odd. There was, there was some weird stuff going on, or at least like it felt that way. And to see him struggle, I think is a good way to kind of, it's, it's, and then to see this game, it's a good way to talk about how far he has come, how far he has improved his game and become not just a good player, not just a great player, not just an MVP candidate, but one of the best players the game has ever seen. And that I think is a good way to stress this because there was absolutely reason for Jokic to stop growing at some point, to stop becoming the best player that he could possibly be. And he never did. He absolutely never did. He is consistently improved his game. He is a meticulous worker. He is somebody who is a perfectionist in a lot of ways, has perfected his body to the level that he feels good about his conditioning. And he's able to go 36 to 40 minutes without really like struggling that much. Uh, he is consistently one of the most well-conditioned and most well-prepared athletes in the NBA today. And that has helped him get to this level. It's not just the preternatural touch. It is not just the preternatural ability to see the floor, although those things obviously help. But Jokic is what you get when you combine all of those things together and preparation meets opportunity and you get somebody with natural talent that's doing those things. It's been really, really cool to see him grow throughout his career. And I try not to take that for granted, even though sometimes I do, because sometimes I expect greatness. I expect the best from him. But last night was a great reminder that even against the defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr., even against a player like Marcus Smart, who has given Jokic problems in the past. He's like Smart has had games where he's had five plus steals against Jokic and like just jumping passing lanes, drawing charges, making his life difficult. Jokic has to work through these things and he does a great job of it, obviously. But that was a good defensive team that Denver dismantled last night, that Jokic helped dismantle. And it was a nice reminder that the level that Jokic can reach is unparalleled. Nobody else in the NBA can do that right now. Maybe LeBron in his prime, Steph in his prime, uh, KD maybe in his prime, maybe. Um, but it's very rare to see anybody that can control a game like Jokic did last night and be perfect like Jokic was last night. The only couple of blemishes were three turnovers. One of those I don't think was on him. One of those uh, they credited to him when Peyton Watson stopped running in transition and then Peyton Watson kind of, or maybe it was Michael Porter is one of the two. Uh, and then he just decided to throw some crazy passes in the third quarter, which more power to him. Like you're up 36 at that point or something close to that. You are absolutely allowed to do that. Uh, but it was a great sign. It was a great thing that Denver was able to accomplish with Jokic at the center of it. And he deserves so much credit for putting up a line that nobody else in NBA history has ever done. This is the first 20-point triple-double that is perfect shooting in NBA history. 
that's all right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's it's uh you never want to take it for granted. Uh Jamal Murray, I'll I'll mention him before we go to a break. Jamal Murray's playing like a crazy person right now. He is on a run, an absolute run. And the only like like the only blemishes that you can say for him, he missed 3 shots out of his 12, so he only shot 75% from the field. How dare he? Uh, and then he had one turnover while playing with the bench. And I think he passed to a spot that he thought DeAndre Jordan would be. DeAndre Jordan wasn't there. That is a chemistry thing. That is a time thing. Outside of that, Jamal Murray nearly played a perfect game too. <laughs> it was really interesting to see him and Jokic play as perfect as they did at the same time. Those guys are on a roll. And Murray is going to get less... Uh, shined for obvious reasons like he's he's not the one who put up the insano stat line here but 23 points on 9 of 12 from the field 4 of 6 from 3 1 of 1 from the line with 9 assists and 1 turnover in just 26 minutes is crazy that is a crazy number and it should be appreciated almost as much as what Jokic just did and those two guys together they they went 20 of 23 against the Memphis Grizzlies of all teams. Like, Memphis is really good. They have a great team defense. They know how to play together. And despite the fact that, like, <laughs> despite the fact that, like, yeah, Jaw was out, he wasn't helping their defense. Like, we know that. They started Vince Williams Jr. last night, who's a, a good two-way contract player, who's a good defender. And he spent some time on Murray. Desmond Bain spent some time on Murray. Marcus Smart spent some time on Murray. Zaire Williams, who's six foot nine, six ten, spent some time on Murray. It didn't matter. Murray was breaking down the two-man game, rejecting screens and rejecting uh cuts and, and things like that. He had one really nice back cut when he was being rege- like he was being denied the ball by Vince Williams. And Jokic saw it. Murray saw it. Nobody else saw it on the floor. And he just passed, like, like Jokic just passed it to a space near the basket where he knew Murray would be, and then Murray dunks it. And the shooting that Murray is displaying right now, I think he's above 45% from three right now. He is nearly at 60% true shooting. He is nearly at 20 points, six assists, four rebounds. I think he's all like 0.9 in all of those categories right now. So he needs another big game tonight in order to cross that threshold. But if he gets it, then he might have missed some time All-Star is not entirely off the table if he is able to really show how important, like he already is showing how important he is, but if the numbers continue to match what we're seeing on the floor, then there is a possibility that he makes an All-Star team. I don't think that it's going to happen because I can see the rest of the West and how talented it is and just how many guys deserve to be there. And I'd kind of be shocked if they created an extra space for Murray when he's already missed 14 games. But do you really need Devin Booker in there? Do you really need Devin Booker when the Suns are toiling at 500 right now and Murray's putting up just as good numbers? You probably need Anthony Edwards. You probably need um, like Steph and Luca and guys like that. Shea is obviously going to be there. And I'm sure that there are some other guards that I'm forgetting. Like, Anthony Simons is putting up crazy numbers, but do you really need him there either? Like, Murray, this could be an opportunity for him. And I hope that he 
continues to gain some steam here over the course of this next month because there is a possibility that he makes it and there's a strong possibility that he deserves it if Denver is at the top of the standings. If they can beat out Minnesota by the time the coaches have to make a decision, like the way that Minnesota started, I thought that they were going to run away with it. But Denver has really recovered here. Minnesota's lost a game here or there. And there is a possibility that Denver overtakes Minnesota. And if that happens, then, oh man, I'm going to be insufferable. It's going to be great. So we will see what happens. But Murray's been playing fantastic basketball. I've been really, really impressed. Uh, Truth Teller asked earlier, Ryan, what do you think about Jokic and four 40% three-point shooters around him? Do you think Malone plays Justin Holiday in, let's say, game three versus Boston in the finals? Uh, No, I mean, I think he plays the starters. I think Denver's got the best starting unit in the game. And I think the most important thing that people forget with spacing is that you need to put as much pressure on the rim as you put on the three-point line. And yes, Aaron Gordon is not going to be the same level of three-point shooter as a guy like Justin Holiday, but he also showed in the playoffs last year that he can make the open threes. Uh, I want to say that he made like 35% last year in the playoffs. And let me just confirm that. Uh, In the playoffs last year, Aaron Gordon made 39% of his threes. It was low volume. He was very choosy with the threes that he took. However, 39% is really good, even if it's on kind of low to mid volume. So I I think you just have to keep defenses honest. Teams are not going to close out on Aaron Gordon as crazy as they are, but they also have to stay attached to him in the short corner. And teams that leave him like that are playing with fire. So I think it's important to have different options, obviously. Like there are going to be times where you're going to want four 40% three-point shooters, but you don't always have to have them. You can have some times where you don't have perfect spacing from the three-point line because Jokic can also shoot the three. So he is the fourth 40% three-point shooter and Gordon can then be in the short corner. There's no problem with that. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about Peyton Watson and his first start of the season. It's actually not his first career start. He had a couple at the end of last year, but first start of the season. And it was a good and enlightening performance. But first, everybody, you can refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you do not want to miss their refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on that Refer a Friend link under your profile in the Superbook app. Share the promo code with friends and you will get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. My brother got me this gigantic mug, which I think holds like 20 to 24 ounces of coffee. I did not fill up 20 to 24 ounces of coffee to prepare for this podcast, but I just want to show it off because it's a good gift and I, I appreciate my bro. All right, let's chat about Peyton Watson. Let's chat about the other aspects of this game, including Peyton Watson and what he was able to provide to the roster last night. Uh, just going through the plus minuses, 
Murray was plus 19. KCP was plus 17. Michael Porter, who had a very quiet night, but just wasn't really needed, uh, was plus 28. Jokic was plus 25. Peyton Watson was tied with Michael Porter at plus 28 for the team lead in plus minus last night. And folks, I was not expecting that after the way that he started the game, after the way that the Nuggets started the game. I kid you not. So uh, he gets the start. It wasn't expected that he would start initially. I thought that it would be Justin Holiday. Michael Malone actually said post game that he did not think that Peyton Watson was going to start. It wasn't actually the plan. My belief is that because John Morant was sitting out, the Nuggets didn't feel the need to have Justin Holiday out there. I think in a winning situation where they have to get the game, they probably just put Justin Holiday in there, their trust guy, and then they leave Peyton Watson to stat, like to play his normal bench role that he's been filling admirably over the course of the season. But you lose John Morant, you don't have to face him. Instead, you're facing Vince Williams Jr., and you feel like, okay, we can get away with Peyton Watson here. We can get away with getting some experience for the young guy. And that's exactly what he got. He got a fistful of experience at the beginning of this game. Uh, it was interesting. It was very interesting to watch. And at the beginning, I think Memphis scored their first 15 points in a row all on Peyton Watson. Whether that was mistakes in uh, and miscommunications on the perimeter, whether that was him being kind of bullied inside by bigger, stronger guys, Memphis is a tough team to play, and Peyton Watson got a, a an absolute learning curve, learning experience when facing them. They're a tough group. They're a tough team, and Jaron Jackson is a tough defensive cover. That's a that is a difficult task for just about anybody. Um, and Peyton Watson had to learn. He had to learn that Jaron Jackson Jr. was just not going to respect his jumper. He wasn't. He was going to allow Peyton Watson to shoot. He was going to allow Peyton Watson free reign so that he could collapse the paint and try to protect the rim against everybody on the Nuggets side of things. And I don't blame him for that strategy. I think it's actually a pretty good strategy based off of Hey, you're not sure how willing Peyton Watson is to shoot. You're not sure what it looks like when he's put into a tough situation. I think this would have been a good strategy for Memphis at home, but they were on the road. They were in Denver, and Peyton Watson got a lot of positive support from both the crowd, but also from the coaching staff that he could hear, that he could like he didn't have to feel the opposing crowd just jeering at him while he was missing, like, hey, a couple open threes. You get blocked at the rim. Not sure how it's going to go. And I'm not surprised that he was able to bounce back because he is a professional. He is a, like, I think he's built a little bit different. But he kind of takes that in stride. He takes the, the way that they are guarding him in stride. And he makes four of 10 from three. Peyton Watson's previous career high in three-point attempts was five. And he attempted 10 three-pointers last night. Four of 10 from three. That is interesting. That is an interesting development and something a little bit different than how Aaron Gordon would have run things. And to Tr Truth Teller's earlier point, it was interesting to see Peyton Watson be willing to shoot in those situations where he was 
um, where he was called like a, a not like he was basically called out and, and they were daring him. They were baiting him to shooting. And Peyton Watson made enough of those threes. He made them pay. And the Nuggets trusted him to do that. They they passed him the ball over and over and over again. And this was a trial by fire in a lot of ways that I think he passed. I think he did really, really well. And I'm not sure whether Aaron Gordon would have shot the three ball that much. I think Aaron knows his role. I think he knows what he's supposed to do. And he knows that he's not supposed to take 10 threes. With Peyton, it's never been told to him that, hey, you're not allowed to shoot this much. Mostly, they say, hey, if you're open, shoot it. And he's like, okay. And he made enough of them, four of ten, that you keep a defense honest like that. It broke Memphis's scheme. And Jaron Jackson, he had zero blocks. So he didn't really affect the game as a defensive rover as much. And clearly he didn't affect Jokic. <laughs> he clearly didn't, didn't affect Murray in any way, shape, or form. And he didn't affect Peyton Watson enough. So Denver got everything that they wanted last night. And it was very interesting to see. I'm very, very happy for Peyton Watson specifically. Because that can mess with you. Having a guy guard you like that can absolutely mess with your head. And he stood up to that. He was great. He was great in this moment. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he provides going forward. Because this is a this is a tough place to be. It's a tough, tough job to be the mark. And he was the mark last night for Memphis on both ends of the floor. They were attacking him on defense. They were attacking him on offense. And he stood up to it. And he was a plus 28 in 23 minutes. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Michael Porter, as I mentioned, not super involved. KCP, not super involved in this one, although he had some nice threes in transition. Uh, he had a block, a strip, uh, basically a strip uh, swipe down block on, I believe it was Desmond Bain driving down the rim. And Denver as a team, they played great defense last night. 105 points. Obviously, Memphis is undermanned from an offensive standpoint without Jaw. Denver definitely got the benefit there. They did not have to kind of deal with the fact that, oh, yeah, Jaw was going to be a massive, massive problem for Denver because he's so fast, he's so quick, he's such a quick twitch guy. And Denver has had success dealing with Jaw in the past, but he's also just very, very talented, very, very good. He knows how to break certain schemes. So Denver would have been in for it last night, but they didn't have to really do too much. And it was nice to see them navigate that. It was nice to see them figure that out. So good stuff from them. Denver as a team shot 20 of 41 from three, 48%, nearly 49. 12 of 14 from the free throw line, 85%. They had 11 turnovers, 12 as a team, 43 assists, out-rebounded Memphis 53 to 36. It was an utter evisceration. And it started with Jokic playing the way that he played, started with Murray playing the way that he played, and everybody else fed on that. It really felt like everything was clicking for Denver, and that's what happens. You score 130 or 42 points, it's going to be pretty easy to do. Denver had 33 points in the first, 32 in the second, 41 in the third, and 36 in the fourth. They got better as they went along. And Memphis, they just, like, they had one quarter. Uh, in the third where they they were making shots. Denver's defense wasn't very good in the third. 
outside of that, 27, 21, 35, 22. Like, really good first, second, and fourth quarters defensively. So, Denver doing a lot of great stuff, figuring things out. They are six wins in a row. Really great. Uh, I continue to feel very good about where Denver's at. When we come back, we'll chat about the OKC game tonight, uh, what that's going to look like and, and what that could really affect in the standings. And then we'll go around the league a little bit. I want to do a check-in on the rest of the standings. I don't do this that often on this show, uh, but I can advertise the alley-oop while we, while we do that. So it should be good. But first, let's go to Scout to Huff. Scott as much as uh, as much as anybody he is he is a fantastic eccentric guy and he, he loves to have fun with the show so make sure to go check that out if, if you're also looking to have fun uh, I, I certainly recommend it all right final segment here let's chat about let's chat about the OKC game tonight let's chat about where OKC is at if you click on the standings tab on ESPN or wherever you get standings you will see Minnesota 23 and 7, Denver 23 and 10. They have matched Minnesota in terms of win output and they've nearly matched them in point differential. This is interesting. This is very fascinating. Minnesota the plus 6.0 in their point differential, Denver's at plus 5.9. Uh that is a good sign for Denver obviously. They continue to find ways to be successful. And continue to find ways. And this this is a 37-point drubbing that they just had. So that is going to really affect them in a positive way. Um, OKC has a higher point differential than Denver at plus 7.7. They, because of the way that their team is built, because of how much depth they have, and their starters are, are starting to come into their own as well, uh, because of how much depth they have, They've actually blown out some teams in a little bit more consistency than than Denver has so far. OKC is twenty and nine. Uh, they have a their win percentage. So Denver's at sixty nine point seven percent. OKC's at sixty nine percent. So they are like these teams are basically neck and neck. Denver's obviously played four more games, so it's a little bit different. They've they're three more wins, one more loss. Um, OKC's really good people. I know that. Everybody has a lot of respect for them, though, because Denver's already lost to them at home. It's very rare for Denver to lose at home. I think they've only done it twice this year. And OKC is one of those teams that you could really say uh, gives Denver some issues with the way that they play with their style. And when they are playing locked in basketball, Denver has some questions. They have some things that they have to figure out. OKC. Plus 8.4 point differential on cleaning the glass ranks third. Denver's at plus 5.7, which ranks sixth. OKC's sixth in offense, sixth in defense. Denver's ninth in offense, ninth in defense. So, like, it really is like a supersized version of Denver in some ways from a, a statistical perspective. But um, everybody knows how dominant Shea is. I don't think the Nuggets fully appreciated and fully acknowledged how good Jalen Williams is, J Dub the wing version, um, he made a big difference 
in that matchup last game. Uh, it was just a few weeks ago, and he absolutely made the difference, especially down the stretch in that game. The Nuggets did not respect him going left, and he went left over and over again, found ways to get to his left hand, and drove to the rim and created shots. And that basically lost Denver the game, if we're being honest. There's, there's a variety of reasons that you can point to, but that is one of them for sure. I, I respect OKC a ton. I think that Denver lost a little bit of focus in the last game, and Denver is the better player. That is my belief, or Denver is the better team, excuse me. I think that Denver's the better team, but I also think that OKC is so talented now with Chet, Shea, and Jalen Williams that you have to respect them. You cannot let them give you the same problems that they gave you last time. Um, and here's what I mean by that. You cannot allow the game plan and like like just ignore the game plan in some ways. You have to respect what these guys are doing and you have to be attentive to detail against this team especially because OKC is one of the best coach teams in the entire NBA. Mark Dagnalt is very, very good at his job. He's gotten these young players to play a fantastic brand of basketball on both sides. And if you're the Nuggets, you have to find a way to overcome that. The other thing, Chap Holmgren had, they, they credited him with nine blocks initially. It went down to eight. Eight blocks against the Nuggets. That is too many. Denver has to respect him, but they also have to manipulate him in ways that they did like Jaron Jackson this last game. They can absolutely take a, an elite shot blocker and move them away from the rim. They could take him and put him into situations where it's going to be really tough for him to score. OKC's counter last game was putting big man Jalen Williams at center and then having Chet Holmgren play power forward in some of those minutes, some of those important times. That allowed Chet to roam off of Aaron Gordon. And they're probably going to try the same thing if Peyton Watson starts. I don't know if Peyton Watson is going to start. It might be Justin Holiday. It might be Peyton Watson. I think Michael Malone will probably just continue with what happened this last game. I think that there's some logic to that. I think that Peyton Watson's actually a good defensive matchup against Chet. And there is also the strong possibility that they start Chet at center anyway. So having Peyton Watson out there, you can still have him as a perimeter defender. And they're going to have Chet and you want somebody who's bigger than somebody like Justin Holiday to match up with Jalen Williams physically. So there are reasons to have Peyton Watson out there, and there are reasons for Denver to approach this game much in the same way that they approached the Memphis game. Now, you have to face Shea, and you didn't have to face Ja, so you're going to have to give them the healthy respect that they deserve. You've got to cut off the driving lanes as best as possible, and you have to defend without fouling. That's probably the most important thing that Denver can do in this game. Don't let OKC go to the free throw line. Defend without fouling. Use your or don't use your hands. Use your body, and slide your feet. Like that's that's the best. I mean, you, they don't need my advice, but that would be the the advice that I'd give. Is like against this OKC team, you have to slide your feet. You just cannot reach in, because if you do, they're gonna kill you. So. I think that Denver wins this one. 
I think that they're rolling right now. OKC is obviously playing great basketball themselves. Last two weeks on cleaning the glass, they have the fourth best offense and seventh best defense. They are a plus 11.3. They've been great. Denver's been plus 12.7. They've been even better. And they have reasons to, I think, keep pushing even higher. Denver's going for their seventh best, their seventh win in a row. And the only loss that they've had during the stretch of nine out of 10 is that OKC home loss. So this would be a revenge factor game. This would be something that Denver tries to get done. And it would not surprise me if this is a contested, contested contest. Uh, this will be a fun one for sure. And as long as everybody plays outside of AG, obviously, I think that we're going to get a good one. So should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it for sure. Really great win for the Nuggets last night, and they absolutely deserve credit for that. Now, if they could win this back-to-back, they are in a great spot. This is the last game of 2023. Denver does not play on Saturday or Sunday. They will play again on Monday at home, but this is a great opportunity for Denver. You get a couple days off after this, go hard. Go hard, get this done, finish 2023 on a good note. Should be interesting. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button down below. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much for all the love. Uh, The channel continues to grow. The podcast continues to grow. I am looking forward to it tremendously. Uh, so Ryan, what are you doing for New Year's? Not not going to spoil the surprise, but I think I might have uh, I might have some plans with a friend. So we will see what happens. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Jivali, uh, Vlada, really appreciate it, and I will talk to you guys very soon.